give it a go again. Okay, ready? Yep. Hey, everybody, your buddy Basil here. And this is Gons. Wait, we don't do that here. Ooh, no, we can. No, okay. All right. Like I said, it's me. And uh, here we are. We are recording the the intro. It's slightly less whispery than the usual whispery intro. Yeah, and, Good. and we're struggling. I'm doing that for you. We're struggling with whatever's going on with the internet here. Yeah, a lot of you may have discovered that we're having a lot of trouble keeping the episodes of Canary Cry Radio online. Uh, we are currently on a chat window with our hosting company with with Chinthan. Yeah, Chinthan. And he's Chinthan is trying desperately to figure out why all of our episodes keep getting erased and why uh, just that mainly. <laughs> What, what we got out of Chinthan so far is that he said, quote, I, well, first off, I asked him, why would this happen? Why would the files go missing? Basically, our public HTML file folder FTP thing just went missing. Everything is gone. Yes, and I asked, all the episodes are gone uh, just from existence yes, on the internet. They're, they're gone. And, um, and uh, so I asked him, what, you know, how would this happen? And Chinthan said, I'm not sure, but seems like someone tried to hack it. Tried and apparently, apparently succeeded. Chinthan, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is serious. This is he's no being try. Very, he's being very lackadaisical with our problems. Yeah, too. I almost feel like Chinthan is the actual culprit. Chinthan might be part of a conspiracy. Yeah, and, and uh, what's going on with down. our internet connection? Your, your voice, we've tried to reconnect two or three times here, and all we're getting is robot Basil. Like, it's a little fuzzy, it's a little staticky. Is it still not working? It's just not clear. Like, for whatever reason, it's not that clear line that we usually have. Oh, man. See, guys, we're really having some trouble over here. I have no idea. Our stuff is erasing. I have a bad something. Something's bad. Um, so anyways, we're trying to push through this. So if you're there right now, say a little prayer for Chinthan so he can figure out, uh, what's going on with our stuff because that's not cool. Yeah. And we you know, need, it's, we need our stuff. Yeah. We need our episodes and you know, what's really funny is, um, the, this was kind of an unintended, uh, promotional opportunity for us. <laughs> Which is completely like some people. Oh, wow, what a what a way to put that. <laughs> but no, it's true. Actually, we've already been accused of fabricating this whole problem, right? Yeah, with our episodes in order to quote sell more USB drives. First of all, we're not selling the USB drives. Uh, second of all, this is. I don't think either of us are smart enough, or like diabolical enough yeah, to pull this because it's really frustrating yeah why would we um, want to to erase our entire history of everything just so we can send you more usb drives <laughs> just give us more work to do it doesn't make any sense yeah. so anyways yeah so that's what's going on we swear this is not a conspiracy to sell usb drives <laughs> a because we're not selling usb drives they are a reward for people who uh, feel like they want to uh, support the podcast, which is great, which is the only reason why we're still alive, not only because of 
if things cost money. But also, somebody's got to pay Chin Than. <laughs> Who do you think's paying Chin Than? We are. We, we're paying this guy. We pay Chin Than's salary uh, just through our subscription to his employer's service. But uh, yeah, so pray for him. Yeah, I'm sure he would love it. Your we would love it also. Your connection just keeps getting worse, by the way. So our audience and will realize. I need to afford. Yeah, we need we need I better need internet for Basil. Better internet. <laughs> my my three kilobyte uh, upload <laughs> speed is not cutting it right now. Your fifty six k modem yeah. is just not working. No, so yeah, guys, we're having trouble. So we apologize for all the trouble. We apologize for the problems with the episodes. It's not our fault. There's some malicious hackers out there, uh, allegedly, according to Chin Than. And if one of those hackers is listening to this, uh, point taken, please send in your demands, and <laughs> we'll figure out what we can do. But this is really annoying. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no requests. Are you kidding me? We do not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They they might claim we are the terrorists. That's true. I don't know. They'll, Somebody's they'll, unhappy they'll, out there. Yeah, they'll say, "Well, we took we took out the podcast because those guys are dangerous." Those uh, you think in their ideologists? You don't think they have demands? Well, they might. You think they're doing it just for the the holy war that they're waging? Not saying that they're of any religious affiliation. Just saying. This the I there must be some deeper meaning to this because I'm not quite getting it. Yeah, maybe they just maybe they just don't like us, like our voices. It's possible. Maybe that yeah. Maybe maybe they just think that by doing this they have uh, you know stifled uh, stifled the truth. The truth, but the uh, truth truth will not be stifled by a hacker. That's true. So let's show those hackers who's boss <laughs> and get Chin Than to fix our problem. To fix our problem. Um, so, okay, so there you go. That's that's a little update on why we're having so much trouble. Uh, we apologize if there, if literally, if there's anything that I could do, I would be doing it, but there's literally nothing I can do. Uh, so it's all in Chin Than's hands now. We'll let you know if Chin Than makes any demands. Right, um, right now, currently, he has commenced a download of uh, a previous version of our website and uh, the HTML, uh, the yeah, public HTML FTP folder, which contains all of our information or all of our data. Right. So, Although and, we're we're skeptical if this is going to work because it's it's actually our hosting thing. It's not the website that's the problem. It's the it's, data hosting. Yeah, it's the data. So yeah. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We're figuring it out. But, All right, now we're this, just rambling. So. Yeah, but this this episode should work, and sh you guys should be able to hear what's going At on. At least here. for a little while until the terrorists get to it and <laughs> and take it away. So if you're listening to this, consider yourself lucky. Um, I, I like how the the podcast quality of just everything is just keeps going down. <laughs> I know you're breaking up real bad too. 2016, just everything just gets worse. We're just digressing just in technology. Yeah, all of our stuff is human animal hybrids and robot people walking around, but we can't get a, a podcast to work correctly. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Yeah. All right. So there you go, folks. And it's just <laughs> again, I this might not be an appropriate time, but 
There are a few more USB flash drives available. We have ordered them. They're in the mail. They are coming to us, and then we are sending them out. But uh, in the batch order that we had to make, there are, what, like, there's, I don't know, around 40, more than 40, something like that, um, that are still available. So if you've just been waiting for the moment to get your USB flash drive with all the Canary Cry website <laughs> website uh, episodes on it up to episode 100 with a album by Gons with Canary Cry music and all the art from the episodes by me and uh, a little bonus little episode of us talking to you. What else is on there? Other cool stuff, right? A couple of videos I think are on there that we've done. Oh yeah, videos. We got sock puppet videos. Yeah. Basically our entire... A body of work up until episode 100 is on that USB drive. And to get it, it's a gift for those who feel like they are led to help support Canary Cry Radio financially. And to do it, you can go to canarycryradio.com, click on the support tab, and you'll see a little banner there. And you click on it and you do it. And uh, for those who feel like they would like to help out with $15 a month, they will receive this USB drive. Uh, there have been a few people who have uh, either A, canceled their uh, support subscription of the $15 and or uh, just it's like been skipped for whatever reason. And hey, we understand uh, the things happen, things change, financial situations change. If you were signed up and you canceled, we're just going to send it to you anyways. This is, <laughs> this is not to... This is not to uh, encourage everybody else to cancel, but you know, in, in, in a time of your life, you felt like you could help support Canary Cry Radio, and for whatever reason, that time has passed, but you still get uh, rewarded for that. So thank you very much. And uh, yes, if your credit card expiration date ran out, which never happens to me because I always lose them before I get to there you will still get it as well. And there are a few more left. So if you would like to do that, you can sign up for that at canarycryradio.com. All right. Longest intro in history. Anything else, Gons? Um, well, not really, other than your YouTube and uh, new podcast and my oh, yeah. YouTube and, you know, the, the usual plug war. The usual plug war. Okay, so uh, many of you are so excited about Gonz's YouTube channel called Face Like the Sun. He's actually stepped up his game a little bit, huh, Gonz? Yeah, and trying to do better produce, better researched videos, not so much the daily yes. thing, you know, just so posting news. One, yeah, not one every single day, which is just like commentary and your thoughts, which we all love and value. But it's now it's a little bit more, a little bit more better uh edited and produced and graphics and things and then also a little bit more research it's more of like a you're you're really putting your heart and soul into it nowadays huh yeah well i'm hoping to create this series right now we're looking at the spiritual dimension the spiritual warfare all this stuff mm -hmm. and leading up to the supernatural documentary which hopefully i'll have done before the end of the year somehow and um yeah, that's, that's, you know, I'm trying to create stuff that's a little bit more evergreen, as they say. There you go. Evergreen YouTube channel. 
So go do that. Go subscribe. It's great. I love it. Everybody loves it. What do you what do you do? What was that noise? Uh Chinthan. Oh, Chinthan. Chinthan's telling me that um it's gonna take two hours to download all the content because I have so much stuff. You have lots of content. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of content. It's, it can fit on a USB drive, Chinthan. It's not that bad. <laughs> God bless you, Chinthan. All right. So there's that. And um, yeah, what else? Your stuff, briefly, because this intro's way too long. So Okay, hurry. briefly. Many of you have heard about my new uh, ministry called the Joy Spiracy Theory, a ministry to bring back the joy in the fringe Christian people, uh, you know, with all the conspiracies and scary stuff going on. Uh, it's good to take a load off, an emotional load off once in a while and learn about happiness and joy and all the good stuff. And it's called the joy. <laughs> Gons, we've been, we've been talking about how Gons needs to tune in. I need to, I need to tune in. I need, I need a little joy because this, yeah. this, this is just bad right now. Chinthan, we're going to give it to Chinthan too because he seems annoyed. So there's that. And the exciting part is it's a YouTube channel. Go there. There's videos. But also... I'm actually currently setting up the technical aspects of a podcast. And so by the time this makes it out there, there should be a uh, The Joy Spiracy Theory podcast on iTunes. So go subscribe to it. Listen to it. First episode is, is with Natalina from Extraordinary Intelligence and Beyond Extraordinary. And it is the most awesome podcast episode of this particular podcast that you have ever heard it is great isn't it the only it is, one so far it is but it's hilarious natalina is awesome okay. we talk about emotional intelligence right. and juice okay. and cats and and all sorts of stuff it's hilarious go do it your connection is getting worse and worse oh really i thought you were just rushing me no 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 I, i'm oh, trying okay. to get people to you know get to the point where we're what what happened oh gosh I'm, i don't I'm know i'm looking at my ftp html it's what what's going on what is oh, is Chinthan? Is Chinthan talking? I don't, I don't know, but my whole... Okay. Okay, okay. We're going to get well, back to fixing this. Uh, enjoy this episode, everybody, because uh, uh, I feel like we need a little miracle over here. We need. We do need a little miracle. Pray for Canary Bear Radio that everything gets fixed. Yes. Okay, bye. <laughs> the people that claimed that they were having abduction experiences... In other words, they were claiming that they had had contact with the entities that were supposedly powering these UFOs that we were trying to investigate. Well, it doesn't take much logic to figure out we're looking in the wrong place for answers. We're chasing lights in the sky. We got people right here that are coming to the meetings that are actually having personal contact with these entities that are supposedly piloting these lights in the sky. So I talked to my other researchers working under me and I said, guys, I think we need to move our focus if we're going to try and find out what the answers are to this phenomenon. I said, these people are front line. These people are in contact with these entities in one way or another, whether they like it or not. But we should be focusing there and not chasing unusual lights in the sky. You know, all through this UFO field, you hear about government cover-up this, government cover-up that. What I just found here was, we got a cover-up amongst the researchers themselves 
that people are relying on for the truth. You are listening to Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 102. 102. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Dr. David Jacobs is a historian with a PhD from the University of Wisconsin-Madison in the field of intellectual history. He's well known in the ufology community as being an authority on this subject matter, having written not only his dissertation on the UFOs, which eventually became his first published book back in 1975, but several books since, including the most recent release, the first in 15 years, Walking Among Us, The Alien Plan to Control Humanity. He taught a course on UFOs in American society at Temple University for 25 years, a class that I would have definitely taken if uh, it was available at my university. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And uh, we're excited to have him on Canary Cry Radio. Dr. David Jacobs, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You betcha. So you've spent a considerable amount of time and energy uh, devoted to the research, study, and teaching of UFOs, it seems. Um, so how did you get involved in this whole thing? Were you, were you one of them? <laughs> no, uh, I, I can't exactly remember how I got involved with it. I was an undergraduate at UCLA at the time, and uh, I got into it, I think, late 1965, around that time, and... Uh, I got interested in it, and then there was a Life magazine article that came out in April of 1966 that really captured my attention. And uh, by that summer, I would I went to a UFO conference uh, uh, convention uh, um, in in Los Angeles at the Shrine Auditorium, as I remember, or someplace like that. And uh, it, it was I took uh, my wife and uh, a couple of friends with me there. It was wonderful. They had booksellers out there. They had talks. So we sat in the balcony. And then the, the big event came. The big event. It was a movie of an actual flying saucer. And there it was, spinning away in all its grace and beauty. And if you squinted hard enough, <laughs> if you squinted hard enough, you could avoid seeing the string it was hanging in front <laughs> And I was amazingly embarrassed by this I, we had brought these friends with us who had didn't know anything about the subject at all and uh, if i had a half a brain i would have just given up on the whole deal right then and there but uh, for some reason or another i continued to do work in it so uh uh i i uh, and starting in the 1980s I, I i just switched uh uh from going from looking at the outside of objects to going inside objects to the abduction phenomenon Right, and um, I, uh, I and I and and I've, I've stuck with abductions uh, since 19, well since 1982. Uh, I've stuck with abductions, and 86 I started doing hypnosis with abductees and continue to do them even uh, now. Uh, uh, so I've spent about 50 years of my life uh, studying the subject. Wow. Uh, Oh, I'm getting a little bit of an echo again. Yeah. Guns. Are you hearing that? Yeah, a little bit. It's not too bad, though. Okay. All right. It's fine for you. So the abduction phenomenon. I mean, this is definitely something that there's uh, obviously movies and books and folklore and 
and you know you even hear uh, a lot of news stuff once in a while people coming on uh, unfortunately for me you know a lot of the abductees seem to mention that they've been mushroom hunting or checking on the moonshine uh, in their local area um, not that I don't believe it but you know maybe this is a question for another part of the interview but uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm assuming I'm assuming a lot of the abductions that you've uh, investigated have been pretty compelling or else you might not have kept doing it you wouldn't be talking to me now if they weren't um, this is the first thought that everybody has you know the, uh, they're, they're on heavy medication in every conceivable way imaginable, right? From shrooms to gin, and uh, or or something like that. In actuality, the people who I see are uh, mirror the society, except that I try to filter out people who obviously have mental problems. They might be abductees anyway, but I I cannot deal with people with mental problems. It's it's above my pay grade. I, I I was trained as a historian of 20th century U.S. history, and and uh, so I, I I don't I try not to deal with people uh, who have uh, illnesses or that, mental illnesses. Right. Every once in a while, somebody will uh, will will sneak through my barriers, and that happens. But um, I've had people who are in fact themselves psychiatrists and psychologists and medical doctors and attorneys and ministers and university professors and people who dropped out of uh, school in kindergarten and never went back and couldn't get in and never held a job and uh, and the good the bad the ugly they all say the same thing in the same detail uh uh they they all recount the same events uh and uh and you have to understand that by coming to see me some guy off the street, just some guy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I, I'm not a professional hypnotist. I, I you know, I'm just I'm just some guy. They are taking the chance of their lifetime. They are taking the chance that I will respect their wishes to be confidential about who they are, and then they tell me that they have been abducted by beings from somewhere over and over and over again since they were children, which is what the standard course is. And right. and they have been trying to find out what has happened to them because they only remember tiny little bits and pieces of things over these years. It, it, it's bugged the hell out of them. They want to know what has gone on with them. And they know that if anybody was to find out that they, as a psychiatrist, for example, claims to be abducted by aliens from another planet it just might be slightly deleterious to their positions <laughs> sure yeah in other you words would, this yeah. is not something that that people just do lightly it, it's uh it, it's a uh, it's uh, when they come to me I go through a whole ethical route before they actually get into my home office. And one of the things I do is I warn them in the strongest possible terms imaginable that uh, the downside of learning about what happened to them. They can live their lives and wondering what's wrong with them. Maybe it's a brain disorder. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's religious. Whatever it is. 
But when they actually find out what's happening to them, their lives will change forever. They will never go back to thinking the same way about the phenomenon, about life, about everything practically. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a game changer and do they really want to do that? And, and uh, there, there's all sorts of other negative things that happen. They, they, they can't tell people, if they tell people they lose friends. They, uh, their wife or their husband might decide uh, that they're crazy and divorce them and, and say this person thinks that, they, that they're dancing with aliens. I want the children at the custody trial. All these things have happened. And uh, this is not just, uh, just saying it. These are actual events. And uh, do they want to chance it? And they do. They, they uh, about twenty five percent. I get them to drop out, and, but uh, but the majority of them chance it. They need to know what in the hell has been going on with them, that has been against their will, and 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 uh, and, and all that. They they need to know. Right. It's almost like a Morpheus moment from the Matrix, where you offer them the the blue pill, the red pill. Uh, but you know, you had a couple people early on in your in your early books. You know the the staples, if you will, of ufology. You had J. Allen Hynek write a forward, and John E. Mack also write a forward in one of your books. Uh, how has your uh, relationship been with those people, and did they influence you at all in your you know research? Well, Allen Hynek became a friend of mine, um, and uh, I, I only got the uh, I, when I got my PhD at the at the University of Wisconsin, it was on the controversy over unidentified flying objects in America. It was only the second PhD ever granted that had a UFO-related theme. So, and and he was down in Northwestern, I was in Madison, it's only a couple of hour drive. So, uh, so um, I, I was able to do research in his, in his own uh, 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 file cabinets and all that, he had them in a room there. And Alan Heineck was the director, uh, basically the the Air Force's consultant for UFOs uh, from 1948 to 1969, and uh, he was uh, started out as a debunker, and then became a believer, uh, to put it in simple terms. Uh, but he had he managed to have his career too. Uh, he 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 got a dream job uh, working uh, as. Uh, 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 in, in a special observatory in Washington, D.C. with another major astronomer whose name escapes me right now, uh, uh, tracking satellites. This was in 1957-58 when they were first going up. You know, this was a, a, a sort of a, a real cutting-edge job. And uh, then he came back and he founded the astronomy department at Northwestern and became he uh, head of the uh, Dearborn Observatory there. And uh, and was really uh, a, a really good person. So he was very pleased to write when my book came out. Uh, he was very he was happy to write that introduction. John Mack um, uh, 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 became interested in the subject because he, well, John Mack was a, before I say that John Mack was a professor uh, at Harvard University for about forty years. Uh, he was a founder of the uh, psychology in the atomic age. Uh, 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 program, uh, and uh, he was a, a medical doctor, he was a psychiatrist, uh, and uh, extremely intelligent. He won the Pulitzer Prize for Biography, uh, Biography of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, of T.E. Lawrence, uh, 
and um, wow. uh, that, that's a major Pulitzer Prize. You know, that, that, that's a national Pulitzer Prize. And uh, when he was older, he went to a, a lecture by uh, my colleague uh, and closest friend, Bud Hopkins, who, who taught me how to do uh, uh, abduction research. And uh, he became captivated by, by the, the subject. And then uh, from about 1990 to 2002, uh, he 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 stuck with it, and then and then he sort of ended his interest in the subject in 2002. Uh, but um, so he's uh, he was he also became a a, a good friend of mine, uh, and we uh, <laughs> the best thing we shared something called the uh, the Harvard MIT Ig Nobel Prize. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> But it's it's a farcical uh, uh, play on on the, the Nobel awards, you know, and and uh, so the two of us shared it for 1993. <laughs> uh, I'm and uh, I, I never went up to Boston to get my they, they, they present you with a uh, some sort of degree or paper or something like that. There's some sort of reward you get. I never went up, although they asked me to do it. But uh, I don't think he did either. But I'm not sure. But um, and we did a lot of things together. Uh, his concept of how to do hypnosis with abductees was not mine or Bud Hopkins. Uh, uh, he was more spiritually inclined, transformationally inclined. He felt they were here to help us in some way. Uh, and uh, those kind of ideas simply never showed up in all the research I had done. Uh, since 1986, and it didn't show up uh, in Bud's work either. So uh, there, there was a difference in in the kind of questions that he asked, and uh, and and uh, how he interpreted the answers, and all that sort of stuff. So, so, but uh, we were lucky to have him for as long as we did. Yeah, that's that's really it's kind of cool. You know, those are the guys that uh, big names, so to speak, in terms of this research and, and making it you know, an actual subject matter that is worth looking into, not just some, you know, crazy, you know, off the wall kind of topic, but something that can be respected academically, even though you, you know, you won your, your, uh, ignoble reward there, but, uh, <laughs> That's my favorite award. <laughs> but the thing is this, I, I'm going to directly, um, uh, uh, change your, your mind in a sense. I'm going to contradict, contradict you directly. You'd think that'd be true that 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 with John Mack and there were other uh, academics and scientists who were interested in the subject and so forth. Uh, but right now, as we speak, uh, the hostility towards uh, the abduction phenomenon and the UFO phenomenon uh, is higher now from the academic and scientific community than it has ever been in the history of the UFO phenomenon. Since wow. 1947, I have never seen anything like it. Uh, I, it was, uh, it, it's just amazing. Uh, and I've told this story often, and it's true. And it's a number of, 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 of scientists who walked over to my office at Temple University. I was at Temple from uh, 1975 to 2011 when I retired. And I taught the course uh, UFOs in American Society from 1977 all the way to 2011. And um, uh, 
not a single scientist, not one, ever took a walk to my office and said to me, Jacobs, what the hell are you doing? What is all this crap that's going, that you're talking about? Why, why are you doing it? Not even in a hostile way. Never. Not once. Uh, they had no interest in the subject whatsoever. And I have to tell you, I had more publicity at Temple than any other person there outside of the sports program. Wow. And it was continual publicity for years and years and years. And um, uh, not a single scientist uh, would, would, would bother to ask me about that. That is the academic and intellectual, uh, uh, scientific community, rather, as it is right now. Why do you the, think that is? I, I think it's because of... Um, I, I think a, a major contributor to it is the 16,000 channels I have on my TV, on my mm -hmm. cable TV. They have to fill up those channels with programming of some sort. And they latched on in the 1990s and especially 2000s to UFOs, abductions, and and there was lots of series, the UFO hunters and the and, uh, other series and on and on. And there's also, they latched on to angels and they last, latched on to maybe uh, demons and they latched on to paranormal this and paranormal that and paranormal here and paranormal there and everywhere and a paranormal, normal, normal, paranormal. Right. right. That made abductions and UFOs just part of the 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 sort of low level noise level on television low level noise on television stuff that's always in popular culture doesn't mean anything uh, and uh, it, it, it 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 blended into the rest of stuff of highly dubious value in my opinion mm. and uh, and therefore uh, uh, and they, 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 they filtered away from it or they lost interest in it if they ever had it. And there's another thing. There's another aspect to it, which relates to UFOs. With UFOs, uh, you get a long history of... A, the UFO phenomenon has a public history to it. Uh, there were various studies by the Air Force, by the FBI, by this uh, organization, that organization. Uh, there was a famous Project Blue Book from 1951 to 1969 that the Air Force had. Uh, there were uh, scientists who were making pronouncements about it. There was this, there was that. Um, and all of that stuff sort of disappeared after 1969 when the Air Force decided to close down Project Blue Book because they could never find any solid evidence. But what I think one of the things, and nobody has ever has ever said this, I'm the I'm the first person to say this and and therefore I am almost automatically wrong because most people didn't say this because they were smart enough not to say it. But um I think that the UFO phenomenon never seemed to pose a set a, a sense of urgency to the scientific community. 
People saw UFOs, they flew here, they flew, flew there, and of course people are mistaken and people are nuts and people are drunk and all that sort of stuff. But then again, every once in a while, a scientist who was none of those things would see something, and that was interesting, but uh, but you know how people are kind of funny no matter. And, and there was never a sense of urgency of these beings are now massing at the border, you know what I mean, getting ready for an attack or something like that. It was just always sort of, uh, 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 it was prominent every once in a while, some major event would happen, uh, some major sighting of some sort, but that sense of urgency never appeared to be there because nobody could ever figure out what they were and what they were doing here and all that until the abduction phenomenon came along. And that took a long time after the first couple of, of uh, cases that we heard about. It took a long time. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I only recognize the abduction phenomenon as coming along uh, in, into sort of prominence within the UFO community in uh, in 1981 when Bud Hopkins published a book called Missing Time. Uh, although there were several other books about it beforehand, but this was a a, a very good book. And uh, even then, there wasn't a set of a sense of urgency. As I look through what has happened since then, for me, there is an enormous sense of urgency now. And scientists and academics should should quit their jobs, even as I finish this sentence, and go directly into abduction research, because it is the most urgent thing ever, he said. <laughs> I don't know, but I think that is the case. I, I think that this is... Uh, this is uh, beyond importance. This is this is beyond the concept of importance, uh, and uh, but it's too late. They already pretty much have made up their minds, and uh, and doing abduction research is extremely difficult, and extreme and and requires only certain kinds of people, of which they are not. For example. Stop me whenever you want, guys. <laughs> Keep going. For example, <laughs> along. you know, I, I gave a talk at a conference yesterday. Oh, strike that, Saturday. And um, I, uh, uh, in, in almost every concert conference I go to, there's people who look like me. They all got white hair. You don't see young people kind of coming up the, uh, the the ranks, you know, being interested in UFOs and studying UFOs. And, and there, there's a reason for that. The first reason is everything that we could ever learn about UFOs was learned by the late 1970s. Mm. Books had been written about their effects on uh, electrical, mechanical devices, on uh, animals, their effects on the environment, uh, their effects on people, uh, the, their effects, uh, if they land, uh, how, you, know, they, you could tell how, how heavy they were if they, by compaction tests, and, and all these kinds of things. There, there had already been tremendous amounts of information about it. By the late 70s, we knew everything we could know looking at the outside shells of objects maneuvering in the, in the sky or else on the ground and then maneuvering in the sky. We knew that there were people inside them, but in those days, in the 70s, 60s, 50s, you never said aliens. That was verboten. 
That was forbidden. You didn't do that. That was over the line. You said occupants. There were occupants in there. And there's books written called Flying Saucer Occupants and, you know, and all that. He just couldn't say aliens. It was too much. Um, but the fact is, though, that uh, what happened then was you, you just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, although amassing the evidence for the existence of UFOs is good, in my opinion. Right. And we have God knows how many cases. I mean, around the world, it's got to be millions. And... Um, but people began to turn to conspiracy theory, government conspiracy theory. The reason we don't know anything about the subject is because the government is conspiring to to withhold information from us. Uh, the government has a secret study of it. They've got black budget money. Nobody knows where the money goes. It goes to, to them. Uh, they might even have uh, uh, pickled aliens in jars somewhere, for all we know. And they might have uh, <laughs> the crashed saucers here, there, and everywhere that they're busy examining. And all these kinds of things. And that actually, I think, helped to turn people off, academics especially, to the idea of these major, gigantic, enormous, mind-bogglingly huge conspiracies. So, and do you do you? I'm I'm interested to hear actually um, what your viewpoint is on the government conspiracies. Because I mean, I, I think a big thing with the government conspiracies is it it provides a uh, maybe even. To, to be coy, a landing zone for people to sort of land on the subject um, yeah, instead of something that we know absolutely nothing about. Yeah, I've looked at UFO conferences where virtually every single paper presented is about government conspiracy in some way. Nobody was talking about UFOs or abductions. It's just amazing. Um, as a historian, I, you know, I, after all, I did write my dissertation on... Uh, on the controversy in the, over UFOs uh, from nineteen from eighteen ninety six to nineteen seventy three, and um, and I did research in 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 I actually got a security clearance that I went down to Maxwell Air Force Base and I was able to look through uh, Air Force archives and this and that, and uh, I couldn't find anything even vaguely related to uh, to uh, a secret uh, thing a uh, 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 group so studying the subject, but. Conspiracy theories are, by, are, are almost always non-falsifiable. You can't prove that they don't exist. There's no way you can prove they don't exist. And if you look around and, 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 and you can't find them, that just shows you how deeply hidden they are. So your disapproval of the government conspiracy theories, is that just for lack of actual evidence and the well, lack of inability is, to disprove? Lack of evidence is a big one. Uh, uh, as a historian, you got to have evidence. You can't just say it. Uh, professional historians are not allowed to do that. You, you've got you've got you've got to have evidence, or you have to have a certain logic uh, that leads to it uh, 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 strongly. Uh, you can't just say it because you think it, and because you don't know where the money goes, therefore it must go to flying saucer. Uh, research. Now, having said all that, and people tell me about government conspiracies every single day, it seems. <laughs> 
two hours ago, I got a call from some guy I never heard of, called me up, and I spent uh, half an hour with him telling me how uh, not only was 9-11 a government conspiracy, but uh, but uh, they, 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 they were hiding UFOs here, there, and everywhere, and, and on and on and on and on about the government conspiracy. And, uh, uh, but so this is the way I look at it. Okay, so there is a government conspiracy. Let's say there is. And they are, in fact, conspiring to withhold information about the subject uh, uh, for whatever reasons. I would jump with joy. That would be music to my ears. I would sleep happy for the rest of my life. Uh, that was That's great. I love it. I want it more. Because they're doing something about it. At least they're looking at it. I don't care whether they're keeping it from me or not. That's fine. I can live with that. As long as somebody, somebody is studying this subject on a serious level. And if this is deeply, darkly secret, it's got to be on a serious level. I am a happy camper then. That's good. And by a serious level, you mean uh, funded by government money. <laughs> would realize, oh, no, no it, would be, it would be billions of dollars. They would realize the enormity of the event that they're, if they're studying this subject, they would immediately understand that this is worth studying. And if it's worth studying, and if it's UFOs, there's something big going on here. This is this is this is uh, uh, the the enormity of this phenomenon is is very difficult for people to to grasp. So you do, you don't believe that the government knows anything, or uh, you know, is conspiring to keep it from us? I believe that the government is filled with lots of really intelligent people and people who aren't just so intelligent. They make mistakes. They do screwy things. They screw things up. They, they do all sorts of things. They also study things. They're really, really good in studying enemies' uh, uh, um, computers and things like that, technology. They're really good at that sort of stuff. That's what they were really key in on, you know. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but they're charged with the with the duty of protecting the United States from attack, and they are required to do all those kinds of things. Right. And uh, there is no attack with UFOs. You see, there's no urgency to them. Right. right. You mean in in their view? No, in my view. Ah. However, if they do study UFOs, they've found urgency. Right. <laughs> they're working on it. They, I, they're, I, I only asked so many times because you you literally might be the only person that <laughs> that I've talked to who doesn't think that there's some sort of uh, government involvement or at least knowledge of UFOs. Well, my colleague Bud Hopkins was uh, agreed with me basically, and and uh, he thought that the some people the government might know somewhere. And there, you know, listen, there's plenty of abductees in the government. Hmm. The problem is, is that they don't know they're abductees because 90 to 95 percent of all abductees don't know that they're abductees. They know something is going on, but uh, they don't know what it is. And meanwhile, uh, take this paper to the president and have him sign it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of, you know, some of the more sensational quotes from folks like Ben Rich, who was, you know, part of the Skunk Works uh, uh, for Lockheed Martin? And, you know, he claimed that, you know, he, they had... Uh, figured out how to take E.T. home, and, uh, you know, there was all sorts of quotes that came out of a couple meetings that he had held. I think it was at UCLA, even one of the meetings. Um, what do you make of that? Do you think he's just, you know, trying to keep things sensational to keep the funding going, or do you think that they had actually figured some stuff out, you know, technologically, 
you know, perhaps from something that is not from this world. Well, he would not have an alien. That, that, that would not happen. Uh, nor would he have a pickled alien. Uh, but um, uh, I'm not sure what this guy has, who he is. There, there, I mean, you know, there's, there's so many of them running around now. Anybody, yeah, anybody can say this. Anybody and everybody can say this. Presenting evidence is a whole other ballgame. And that nobody can present evidence for it other than what they think is happening, what they don't know is happening becomes part of what actually is happening. Otherwise, uh, uh, it wouldn't be secret. They've managed to, to break the secrecy. And uh, I, I, I am one of these people who was never fully convinced by Roswell. I'm probably the only one in the country. I have... Uh, I have an excellent, wonderful, unfortunately, it's a 45-minute argument uh, against uh, uh, Roswell through just simple logic. And, uh, and a, there's a few other people, actually, uh, who, who think the way I do. Um, and yet, at the same time, I'm absolutely insane enough to believe that people are being abducted by aliens <laughs> from another planet. <laughs> so who am I to talk? That's very but, interesting. But when you hear government conspiracy, government this, government that, uh, be careful. Just be extremely careful. Be sure. very, very careful. It's also a moneymaker. It, it's a moneymaker. And if you publish books about conspiracies, uh, it, it's a big, you, 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 you're likely to make quite a bit of money. I'm not saying that everybody does or writes books about it for that reason. But it is a moneymaker. And there are people who do that sort of thing uh, just for for publicity and for uh making a quick buck that right does especially Somebody nowadays was... i think in the in the last couple decades it seems like that that's grown yeah um however somebody could say the same thing about somebody who writes books about uh aliens and yeah, how they're taking over the world <laughs> yeah well here's something different about my colleague bud hawkins died in 1911 so but uh, i talk about him in the present uh, uh, bud and i uh never charged money for anything we ever did. Uh, um, this is years and years and years of people coming to my house. Every time a person walked into my house, uh, it, it would cost me money for transcripts, for example, and for other supplies and this and that. Uh, I did not accept money even when they offered. Uh, people would send me money, uh, uh, $10 in an envelope. I send it back. Uh, I, I, when money changes hands, bad things happen. <laughs> so, so neither of us ever accepted any any money for uh, to do this kind of research that we were doing. And uh, With the exception of book sales and things like that, there are book sales. And uh, um, right now, if I make back twenty to twenty five percent of what I spent to do this book. I, I I will be on on here's an old phrase cloud nine whatever that <laughs> means, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah I, I wrote a book called Secret Life that was my first book that came out uh, that book did pretty well uh, I spent ten thousand dollars out of my bank account on transcripts. When I wrote uh, uh, the Threat which came out in 1997 the second book I wrote on about abductions. 
I spent $15,000 on transcripts. Uh, yes, there's $25,000 down the drain right there. Right. Wow. In other words, you're not going to get rich. The, uh, the, these books are not bestsellers. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, 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 I don't write about mysterious happenings in the state of Maine uh, <laughs> or things like that. Uh, like, uh, 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 what's his name? What's his name? Right. Quick guys. What's his name? What's his I'm name? I'm trying to remember. Uh, <laughs> Stephen King. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you know, so uh, all this has made me uh, very fascinated in what exactly your theories or your findings are. And I know you do, um, obviously, a lot with abductees, and but I'm, I'm kind of interested in your your whole view of the UFO phenomenon. Um, because you focus so much on, on abductees, uh, I, I think that's going to be a more in-depth conversation when we get there, but um, maybe it ties all together. Can you, can you start giving us a brief uh, overview of maybe what your definition of abduction is and uh, you know, what, are, what the heck are the UFOs doing here? Well... The very first case we ever heard of uh, uh, was found in um, in 1957 in Brazil by an illiterate Brazilian peasant who claimed that he was taken on board a UFO. He was out uh, plowing a field at one o'clock at night because it was it was cooler then, and um, uh, down came a flying saucer, and these aliens got out and grabbed him. And they looked him over, and they did this to him and that to him, this to him, that to him. Then he was put into a room, and there was a female-looking alien, but who looked pretty, who looked human. And she was uh, quite attractive, and he uh, was required to uh, have, uh, let's just say, relations with her. Mm. Several times. And... Um, uh, that was so embarrassing when that account came out to prudish UFO researchers who had never heard anything even vaguely like that, that they, that, that case was not even published until 1980, until 1966. Now, the interesting thing about that case was that it showed a reproductive aspect there. We did not know that. All we knew was what was told. Then there was the Barney and Betty Hill case, which came out in 1961 in New Hampshire. Right. This was an interracial couple who were traveling from uh, down from uh, Niagara Falls, I guess, or wherever they were, to, uh, on highway through into New Hampshire uh, to go down to ports to go home at night and parts of New Hampshire. Uh, they were abducted, both of them. They were taken on board this uh, UFO. Uh, Barney had a sperm sample taken from him, and Betty uh, uh, had a needle uh, injected into her navel, which she surmised was she thought was a pregnancy test. It was. It is not that, but but because we know that procedure. But um, uh, uh, but but there was this reproductive aspect to it. Now, a book was written about the case, which became a movie, as, as a, a TV movie, called Interrupted Journey. Um, and that's the name of the book, rather. The, the movie had a different title. And um, Barney was so embarrassed by the sperm business that he, he had the author, John Fuller, take it out of the book. Thank God for that. 
Because every guy I've ever worked with, if I work with them long enough, they talk about how they took sperm from them. And, and, and they're always embarrassed about it. And you can't say they picked it up in the story of Barney and Betty Hill. You know what I mean? Barney right, right. did us a favor. <laughs> so there was this reproductive aspect. And then more cases began to come in and more and more that had this same kind of business to it, similar anyway. Uh, they seem to be taking sperm from guys and eggs from women. And um, then in the early 80s, uh, Bud Hopkins called me up and told me that he had found the, the strangest story, the strangest account he had ever heard. And I happen to know the, the, the young woman he was working with. And... Um, he told you, he said, well, you know, do you remember, I'll just call her Jane. Remember Jane? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they, they, they did this for that, and then they took her into a room, and there was, uh, a, a, and somebody handed her uh, a baby. I said, a, a baby? This was the first time that the word UFO and baby was ever used in the same <laughs> sentence. In the history of humankind, I think. <laughs> and I said, a baby? What are you talking about, a baby? Yeah, it was a weird-looking baby, he said. It, it, it looked like started, you know, like, like, like he had big black eyes in it, and it didn't look right. It looked, it was, it was a weird-looking baby. I said, oh, okay. And then he said, and then they wanted her to hold the baby. I said, hold the baby? Why? Why would they want her to hold the baby? He says, I don't know. They wanted her to hold the baby. And then they wanted her to feed the baby. Oh, boy. I said, feed the baby? What? What? I said, did, did she explain to them that that is not possible? She isn't lactating. She isn't pregnant. She, uh, she can't feed the baby. He said, yes, she told them she couldn't, but they forced her to put the baby up to her breast. And and uh, and and anyway, so the, the, I, I had not started doing hypnosis yet. And I thought to myself, if we are ever going, we may never, ever, ever be able to understand an alien's way of thinking because they value form over function. Mm. The form is you put the baby to her breast. The function is not there. There is no function. <laughs> she can't feed the baby. And I thought, that's so bizarre. Well, I was uh, stupid. Uh, later on, I learned the woman was lactating. They had already stimulated lactation uh, on a table, on the tables. And, and uh, she may not have known it herself, but she was, she was able to feed the baby. Uh, and 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 then I got hundreds of cases like that uh, over the years when I started doing hypnosis, and, and uh, uh, so we knew it was reproductive. In the middle '80s, we learned something else: the Brazilian peasant and uh, Antonio Villas Boas. He wasn't a Brazilian peasant. He was a law student. He became an attorney. He maintained the truthfulness of his story all the way until he died. And he died, I think, of a heart attack or cancer when he was relatively young, so, which sort of amazed us because we had simply dismissed that case, you know. But uh, so right off, we knew that this was reproductively oriented, and that's the way it turned out. And what we found was that uh, women were saying that they were taking eggs 
uh, eye right out of their ovaries, or sometimes they would uh, uh, cause the ovary to uh, to to come out. I'm sorry, cause the egg to burst out of the ovary, and they would take that uh, and 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 taking sperm from men. They would then, in some way, put the sperm and the egg together and then alter it. If I say alter it, I will be correct. If I say they add alien DNA to it, I'm guessing. But they probably do do something like that, even though I don't know if aliens have DNA. So, But they do something to it so that when the baby is born, the baby sort of looks human and alien at the same time, if you assume that gray aliens that we know and love and see on the sides of buses and all that sort of stuff are um, are are uh, the are true aliens, which I'm which I do not think is the case, yeah. and um, uh, and so uh, people began to see these babies as toddlers, as younger children, you know, age seven and eight, as older children, nine, eleven, as adolescents, as young adults, as adults and not as older adults for reasons we do not understand. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I had an opportunity to actually go through Walking Among Us. So, uh, you know, what struck me was a lot of these almost tedious and detailed examples of the the cases that you chose. Um, and I believe you, you had stated uh, early in the book that you have over, you know, 1,100 abduction cases, but you chose a particular set of 14 for the book what was the significance of those 14 that you decided to go with those uh, rather than other ones well those were ones that were making the argument basically and in, in other words uh the, there's a figure in there named betsy i had over 100 sessions with her and i could tell what was happening uh to her almost on a daily basis certainly on a on a a weekly basis and sometimes three times a week and sometimes even more uh that's the only time that has ever happened in in abduction research and um and then there were other ones who just had who just had the same accounts that they were giving unaware that other people were giving the similar similar accounts and what this was leading to to jump to it basically was the hybrids that were being born on board did not all look alike. Some of them looked quite alien. Some of them looked a little bit more human. I, I, I in, in my book, uh, The Threat, which talked in large part about hybrids, um, yeah, they, uh, some of them uh, uh, were early stage, I said, then middle stage, then late stage, they looked more human, except maybe their eyes were too big, they didn't have any bodily hair or whatever. And, and then you become, and then there's ones who look really quite, quite human. And, um, and, I, and there's, I, I divided them into groups as well. And then there's something that I called hubrids, H-U-B-R-I-D-S, this human and hybrid put together. They are human. They're human in every conceivable way. They are average humans. They are average in every conceivable way, except for one just tiny, hardly noticeable difference. And that difference is they can control us neurologically. They can make us see, feel, think, or do anything they want. 
and we cannot do that to them. And they can make us forget what happens within seconds of it happening. Yeah. And you that, you got this from uh, from people uh, witnessing this? or No, this is what all abductees, all of them, that's 100% of them from the time there were abductions, except for Antonio Villas-Boas, that's what all abductees go through. They know something happened, but they can't remember what it was. Their memory is not wiped clean. It's still there, but it can't be accessed. Uh, unless you do relaxation techniques, which you learn to do, and then people begin to remember this and that and so forth and so on. Uh, but uh, for most abductees, they have no idea that they are abductees. The abduction phenomenon starts in infancy. We know that, that uh, 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 parents are abducted with their, with their babies, but more to the point, uh, in early childhood, uh, goes through childhood all the way into old age, but not into very old age, like let's just say 80 or above or, or 75 or above or something like that. Uh, we, we don't see that as much. It's, and it continues over and over and over again throughout a person's life, and the person is simply does not know it's happening. They know that they're leading an odd life. They see angels. They see dead people at their bedside. Uh, they travel on the astral plane, as they call it. They, 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 they see uh, other religious figures. They, they have odd disparities uh, in, in time and, uh, and, 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 and uh, place. They, they're in one place, and a second later, they're in another place. Oh, how the hell did I get here? And, uh, and then they realize it's an hour later, and they say, oh, that's weird. Well, I, uh, I guess I'll just go home. <laughs> I'll just forget about this. Um, and uh, that is not going to happen to anybody on this earth unless they're an abductee. Not only that, but this is a global phenomenon. The United States does not have a corner on the abduction market. Right. Nor is Canada, nor does Canada, nor does Latin America or Asia or Africa or anywhere or Australia or, or this. It's a global phenomenon. Yeah, that's really that interesting. Means, that means that the amount of time and energy and, um, and, well, and expansion, I should say, is, is it, 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 you can't even imagine it. it is, it's unimaginable how, how enormous this, this phenomenon is. Uh, I get email from all around the world about people trying to want me to examine their experiences and telling me about their experiences and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, from all around the world, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether these are people who have never been to school, although most of them have because they can speak English and they can write and all that sort of stuff, or people who have uh, PhDs. You know, it doesn't matter. Right, it, right. It's, there has never been anything like this in human history. This is a first. They're all, they all say the same thing regardless of their religion, of their race, of their society, of their nationality, of their level of education, of anything. They all say the same thing in the same detail. They're literally, this is literally true. There's never been anything like this in human history. 
Right. right. Now, yeah, I mean, you talk to so many people and, and you're saying uh, so many of the stories co- co- corroborate. Um, I mean, is, are there any other crazy details? I mean, we know things like uh, the Greys and we also some sparkly Nordic people and uh, things like that. But if there's no such thing as Nordics. Okay. So if there's any. Hybrids are all hybrids. Okay, but didn't you say the the first person was kind of looked like a regular uh, woman, right? From in yeah. Brazil, yeah. So she's a hybrid. She was a hybrid. Okay. And, uh, so, um, do any of the any of the abductees have any information as to why this is happening? Or nope, no. Nope. <laughs> We're just left to figure it out on our own. Here's how how it's worked. Okay. Abductees are told basically nothing. Sometimes they're told something here and there, and you have to put it together and this and that. Um, but basically, they don't know what's what the deal is. Even though it's been happening all their lives, they still don't know. What you're looking at here in the UFO phenomenon, inside the UFOs, is a workforce. There are leaders of the workforce. There is the head of it. And these are guys who, these are aliens who look, People describe them as looking like praying mantises. Uh, they're they're insect-like aliens. I call them insectolins. I just take the word insect and alien, put them together, and leave out the e, and it comes insectolin. And uh, they're order givers. Everybody else is an order taker. Now it's not a hierarchy necessarily because every every hybrid is is manufactured, if I can use that word, uh, uh, to do a task or a series of tasks. They have one thing that they do. Uh, the gray, gray aliens uh, um, come down and abduct people, and they do most of the procedures uh, when a person is lying on a table. Uh, the, uh, For example, early stage hybrids uh, uh, um, uh, who wear special gowns, they have a special clothes for them, the clothes are described the same everywhere by anybody, by everybody. Um, they take care of young babies. Uh, and so each one, you know, has has a, a task to do. Uh, in the threat, people began to say things, uh, that, tell me things that, that were really unusual. Now, when somebody tells me something once that I've never heard before, it is not evidence. If you put it on the back burner... And uh, take it off when somebody else says the same thing without knowledge of that. Now, having said that, I, uh, obviously, if I worked with a person for 20 years and they tell me something different, I know that they've been absolutely dead on, accurate and truthful uh, and they're not confabulating. I'll take that into account. But by and large, uh, you wait for other people to say the same things. So at in the threat, uh, 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 the aliens began talking about how soon there was going to be a change. Soon, uh, this change was coming. Soon, everybody would be happy, uh, and uh, everybody would know his place, and this change was going to happen soon. And a bunch of people told me that. So I asked them, this is, these people did not know the other ones were saying that, these people, I would say, well, um, uh, do they say what the change means? What is the change? You know, they say anything like, like that. Nope. Don't know what it means. Don't know what it means. But soon there's going to be a change. 
So I asked them, well, do you, do you get a sense of what the word soon means? Because soon obviously can mean tomorrow or 10 billion years from now, for all we know. Uh, so uh, nobody knew that either. Nobody knew what soon meant. So uh, this went on for a while, this business about the change is coming, the change is coming. Then in 2003, uh, a guy uh, walks into my office here as a businessman in his 50s. And um, he remembered in our fourth, after our fourth session, he suddenly remembered that he had a friend. And it's funny, he had never, he had, doesn't usually think about this friend, but it's a friend who he calls Eric. Didn't know Eric's last name. He didn't know whether Eric was married or not. He didn't know whether Eric had a job. He didn't know where Eric lived. He didn't know anything at all about Eric, except that Eric was not just a friend, it was his best friend, he told me. <laughs> and they did everything together. They went on fishing trips, they went to restaurants, they went to different countries, they did this, they did that. They were always together, his best friend and him. He had just remembered he had him, this best friend. Um, well, that's interesting because he's talking about a hybrid, I'm thinking, here on Earth with him, just doing things with him. I had never heard that before. That goes on the back burner waiting for somebody else to say something like that. Then another person began to say something similar, how, how she was uh, helping uh, this hybrid do this and do that here, here on Earth, not on board. And then another one, then another one, then another one, then another one. And then I realized that there were some from the past who had said similar things, which made up like, like four others. Uh, and so I took those 14 and I said, I think this is the change, or at least this is the lead up to the change. But something is happening that I should have been hearing and, and my colleague Bart Hopkins should have been hearing for years and years and years, and now I'm hearing this for the first time. One of the women who I worked with, I've been working with since 1987, and she never said anything like that until about 2003, 2004, or whatever. And she started to say the same thing. And I thought, this is different. Now, the main thing that goes through my mind when I do standard abduction research, I'm sitting there with my feet up on a radiator, sitting in a chair. There's uh, an abductee lying on a day bed. Uh, uh, there's a coffee table between us. And, uh, and, and I'm listening to her talking about, uh, let's just say, the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. And there's only <laughs> one thing that goes through my mind. And this is an, uh, something that had to happen. It just goes to my mind, and it is, stay awake, David, stay awake. Don't fall asleep, David, <laughs> don't fall asleep, just stay awake, stay awake. Because I have heard these things over and over and over and over. I've heard stories that are similar hundreds of times. Right, right. And um, every once in a while, they'll say something that catches my attention. And I start to think about it, and I think about it, and I think about it, and I think really hard about it. And then I realize I'm dreaming. Wow. <laughs> and I, I, I wake up, uh, what happens next? 
you know, and I say, and then, uh, and, oh, my God, I've fallen asleep. <laughs> one time, one woman, Allison, who is in this book, also said, I, David, are you asleep? Who will be? No, no, I'm not asleep. No. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, but that soporific aspect of everybody saying the same thing, you know, over and over again, and 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 from from all walks of life, as that horrible phrase goes, uh, it's it it uh, it has to be there. Without that, we wouldn't be talking. If it was all idiosyncratic, based on people's lives and experiences, and uh, uh, and nothing else, every story would be different. We'd know what they were up to. We'd know all about them. We know where they came from. We know about the war, the wormholes that they went through to get here, or whatever. You know what I mean? But right. nobody knows anything about that. So not knowing, oddly, is a good thing. So your book, Walking Among Us, The Alien Plan to Control Humanity, yeah. um, sounds like there's some sort of theory in there. This, this, the title is a combination of something that I had to cook up very quickly and, and eliminate the original title and, uh, and, and stick with the subtitle that the publisher wanted. <laughs> but but what, this, what, what this is, basically, is this is about the, the uh, processes and bureaucracy involved with having hubrids, human-looking hybrids, move into apartments and uh, in the in the country in, in on the earth and live here as humans the change in other words at least I think it could be the change right, and right. that's what all most of these accounts relate to in some way or another helping hubrids become humanized Right and and uh, and how that's done and uh, as you said either Basil or Gons, I'm not sure. Uh, sometimes the transcripts are tedious, but I needed that tediousness in it. Right, right. and and, and the, the accounts also are very. It's really interesting how every detail of you know our daily lives are questioned by these entities. You know, why do you do that? Why do you do that? You know, that's kind of a redundant. You know, we get on a school bus. Oh, why do you get on a school bus? Oh, because we take it to go to school. Why do you go to You know, it was like this, almost like a childlike thing. But one thing I did notice, though, and, and you, you sort of pointed this out within, you know, some of the accounts, but there's this level of uh, a lack of emotions, uh, at least human emotions, and no sort of empathy or anything coming from these alien creature beings and it seemed like, you know, there's there's the example of, um, I believe it was Pam Martin when you were talking about her. It could have been somebody in that in that region when you're talking about the uh, training the abductees for the change. And um, the the account was talking about how she was learning how to do these, you know, thought control, telepathic capacity type things by, you know, being led through a process of. Uh, you know, taking, uh, going up to hubrids and, you know, controlling their mind, uh, giving them visions of an environment and all these kinds of things. And, uh, you mean abductees, abductees, abductees. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, I think you had mentioned there was a couple different occasions there, but, yeah. um, but in any case that they had sensed fear and, and the, these, these, you know, people you were accounting, they sensed that fear and they said, this is wrong. But these, um, you know, their handlers, if you will, 
we're suggesting, right. you know, uh, go ahead. They're not going to remember it. Uh, this, you know, if you want to, uh, keep going with us, you have to go ahead and perform it. And one of them was, uh, trying to give them the vision that they're going to step off a cliff or something like that. And it was just yeah. very strange to me that there's this lack of, uh, any kind of regard for human uh, emotions, no empathy, no sympathy, none of that. Um, what do you make of that? Well, it depends on the degree of hybridization. <laughs> um, when you get to hubrids, well, first of all, let me just address what you said. In that one situation, uh, there's a chapter on that, and I, I rarely talk about that chapter because I know it's going to upset abductees tremendously. Uh, so I usually uh, I don't talk about that. But what it is, is it's teaching abductees who have been abductees all their lives, uh, um, teaching them how to control other abductees with their minds, just like hybrids do. And uh, that's a that's a that's a big step. That's 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 a huge step because abductees cannot control regular hybrids. But they they are teaching them how to do it. It's something uh, how this happens. I do obviously I don't know, uh, but they are in some way conditioning certain um, uh, brain activity uh, to be able to do this. Uh, the the neurons are changing in some way so that they can uh, 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 do this. Right. Right. How this happens is beyond me. Yeah. I I, I don't like the word energy unless it's being pumped into my house uh, but uh, but but there's some sort of energy that goes from through the skull into another person's skull that's that's the way i can explain it see um all communication on board um is telepathic uh with with abductees but hybrids can be telepathic with anybody uh, they just there's that little tiny little piece of uh, thing that I threw in there about how Betsy took her uh, her Hubert, who she was training to be human, to a supermarket, and she walked in, and uh, then she realized they didn't have a cart. She says, "Well, we're going to need a cart, you know, a market basket, to, you know, to push around." And he said, "Where are they?" And she said, "Well, they're outside. You have to go back out." So he turned around. There was a woman who had just come in, pushing a cart. And in one second, the woman just gave him her cart, and uh, she went out to get another cart, and he came in, and he just you know wheeled the cart over to Betsy. And later on, Betsy had to tell him, "You don't do that. Don't do that. that that's not nice. You get the cart. Don't don't have her do it. You know." And even though she was not even, but see, he controlled her instantly to 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 give her the cart and go back and get another one. But that's not that's not the morality that we live in. He has to learn to do that, right? Uh, and and there 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 are minor things like that. She broke her arm once, and uh, he was he looked at her the cast on her arm, and and he and she sort of told him how she had done it. She'd fallen backwards. This is an abduction event, and and uh, had a fracture of her wrist or something, and um, oh. We just get it fixed. In other words, like immediately, and uh, an hour later, they're fine or whatever. Guns the dude. Yeah, we, you, we, we we just there was a dropout for about five seconds. Uh, yeah, you said something about a cast, and then it went away. Oh well, um, 
Oh, so you, should I start that little account again? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. just a few seconds. Uh, one of the hybrids that she was working with uh, came up to her when she had a cast on. Uh, this is uh, Betsy and Jamie, as uh, they're called. And Jamie asked what the cast was for, and she said she was well, she'd broken her arm, and she had been on board a UFO, uh, and um, uh, she'd fallen. Actually, she was pushed. Now I won't go into it. But uh, uh, he says, well, why don't you get it fixed? And she says, well, I went to a doctor, and he's put a cast on it. And, the, you know, the cast will have to be on for six weeks. And she says, and he said, well, that wouldn't happen to me, or whatever he said. I have to remember now. Oh, I would just have it fixed, you know, on board a UFO. They could just fix it, period. Wow. And then he comes back, and he doesn't have a broken arm or whatever it is. But the point was is that he didn't ask her, is it painful? He didn't ask her, uh, oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. He didn't say that. Nothing like that. There was no sense of uh, of her being in pain or, or or anything like that to him. Right, right. And the reason is these these the, these people, these hubrids, who could control people and we can't control them, uh, are born. Uh, let's put it this way: they're not born. They're removed from a, uh, 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 once a fetus is inserted into a woman then that's been altered, and it's usually taken out between 9 and 11 weeks. When they take that fetus out, they put it in a gestation tank filled with liquid nutrients. The, the fetuses then grow into babies, and then the babies are taken out. Therefore, they don't know how old they are. They, they don't write down the time and the date. You know what I mean? And I don't know if they're aware there is such a thing as a date. And, um, and they, so they don't know how old they are. They've never had a birthday party before. They've never had a present given to them. They've never had a piece of cake uh, uh, from a birthday. They, they, they're, they're not taken into uh, the kitchen to um, and put on a table or a counter and have a bottle stuck in their mouth when they're babies while they're looking around and absorbing everything that they're seeing in the kitchen. Uh, and and when they get older, they know what a spoon is, obviously. It's being jammed into their mouths when they're babies. And then they, uh, and then they can eat by themselves. And, and, and they go here and they go there. And they don't have to be taught any of that stuff. It just comes through simple observation. With these beings, they don't deal with people at all, except for the ones they see once in a while on board a UFO. They don't have any mother or father. They don't know what a family is. They don't know what cousins are. They don't know anything about that, the bonding of, of, of families. They, 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 they have to be taught absolutely everything, even though they're taught while on board by abductees who teach them the role of dogs and cats and how to do this and how to do that. The amount of, of knowledge that babies and young children have, have absorbed just through being around humans all the time and just through seeing things is enormous compared to what the ones who are ready to come down and live here know. So the teaching continues on the most, uh, even on the most simplest of levels, as you can tell. You know, my favorite story in this book is it's this little tiny story where um, a caretaker hybrid, an adult hybrid, not a hybrid, but a caretaker comes down with a 10 year old kid who's going to who's a hybrid who, when he gets older, will be moving in to show them to show the kid what somebody's house looks like. 
So Betsy takes the kid into the kitchen. She shows him the refrigerator, the stove, this and that. He asks questions. Um, and then they come out into the living room, and the caretaker and Betsy sit on a couch, and the kid is going to sit in an upholstered chair. The chair's got a blanket on it. And he says, why do you have this blanket on the chair? And she says, well, because the chair was here when we bought the house, and we decided to keep it, but I hate the color, so we put a blanket over it. So he lifts up the blanket, and he says, oh, I like the color, I like the color, the color's nice, yes. And then he, he was like stalling, see, he wasn't sitting in the chair. And then he finally starts to sit in the chair, but he sits ramrod straight up without sitting back. So the caretaker says to him, sit back, sit back like I am. So he pushes himself back, and he's still ramrod straight. He's not touching the back of the chair. Hmm. Betsy <laughs> figures it out. She says, no, no, you don't understand. There's wood in the upholstery. There's wood behind you. You won't fall back if you lean back. So he gets out of the chair and he goes around to the back and he feels it. He says, oh, oh, yeah, there's, it's solid. Oh, yeah, there's, it's hard there. Oh, okay. And then he comes around and he slowly but carefully pushes himself up towards the back of the chair and he sits normally in the chair. It's very interesting. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, you know, a Coneheads episode or something. When you they're... know, that's funny you mentioned that. That's exactly what I thought when I was hearing like some of these stories. It really was. It's, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Well, to yeah. me, it was such a, it was a story that I would never have thought of ever in my life. It was so mundane and so off the wall and so simple. And so meaningless. How would you? How could you even think of telling a story like that? Right. But here's the situation: on board a UFO, there are no upholstered chairs. It's the first one he's ever seen. There are no such thing as upholstered chairs. That quote chairs that they sit on are squares that come out of the out of the floor. They're part of the floor, but they're squares that are maybe two feet tall. And, and, and they sit on those. There's no backs to those. The only back that they ever sit against is if they're leaning, is if they're inside a UFO and there's a ledge where people sit, usually humans, against the wall itself. And then they can lean back against the wall. But they have never seen an upholstered chair in their life. And the kid did not know how to sit in it. And if he did, he was afraid. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Now, included in all the... <laughs> those kind of funny uh, stories of the mundane. Um, I mean, another huge category of uh, alien investigation or just a whole another part of it is something uh, like implants. Do, do you talk to many people who have experienced implants or have implants or think they have implants or took out yeah, some implants? That, yeah, or, that's, 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 yeah, I would say I used to be I say, well, 50%, I think 50% of abductees have uh, implants, but they probably all have an implant somewhere. Right. Uh, the, the, the main areas to place an implant is um, uh, through the uh, nasal passage, uh, up through the cartilage, and uh, probably deposited uh, near the pituitary glands. And what are they for? Uh, well, uh, they're stuck in people's ears to the eardrum near the uh, brain. They're stuck the, uh, at the end of the eye into uh, a, a, a nasal cavity. Uh, we do not know what they're for. We know nothing 
zero about any technology that they have on board. They never say anything, and abductees therefore don't know. We do not know what they are for. People guess, they say, well, they're a tracking device. And the answer is, yeah, right, a tracking device. Um, as if this were 19, you know, we're now or something like that. My best guess, and this is a simple guess, is that they are an extremely multifunction uh, uh, item that describes uh, who the person is, what procedures have already been done to him or her, what needs to be done, like a medical records type thing, plus a number of other things, measuring levels of hormones, who knows, but um, but it's, it's actually quite common to have these. Now, there was a guy named Roger Lear from L.A., uh, uh, who was a podiatrist who got interested in abduction events, and he put together a team of researchers because podiatrists are only allowed to do uh, medicine, basically. Um, uh, they can't do operations uh, except below the knee. And uh, uh, taking out an implant from somebody would be considered an operation. So he got a team of doctors together, and they removed a whole bunch of different implants not usually found in the places that I just mentioned. On the bottom of a guy's foot, uh, on somebody's hand, on somebody's uh, arm or leg or whatever. And uh, a lot of them were, weren't very interesting, but some of them actually were quite interesting. And, and, uh, and, and uh, he, he, he wrote about them and, and uh, they, they seemed to move by themselves. If you put metal near them, they would move off to the side like a, uh, in, in some way, and it wasn't magnetic. Um, but it, knowing what they what they do, it's just it's not going to be possible. It's just not going to be possible. We are not advanced enough. Uh, we we don't have enough learning levels of knowledge to understand what this gizmo would do, even if we knew absolutely positively that it was uh, an, an implant. Right. The, the problem is most people just don't want their head cracked open to retrieve, to scoop out an implant near their pituitary gland. Sure. Yeah. And one of um, one of the friends of our show, uh, a guest that's been on a couple of times, uh, his name's Eli Marzuli. He documented Dr. Roger Lear's um, a, a surgery where they removed an implant and um, there were some uh, uh, some indication that there are some nanotubes in there and um, Dr. Roger Lear's, you know, proposed one of his theories was that it was actually affecting the, the DNA of the person who has the, um, the, the implant themselves. And, um, you know, this kind of leads me into a question and, and you know, we're kind of, I guess we're kind of winding down a little bit, but well, hold on one second. Okay. I've got something. All right. <laughs> now, one thing that I, I actually enjoy a lot about, um, our conversation and, and a lot of your work as you've described it is you're not getting locked down on, uh, you know, I mean, the answer we don't know is not an uncomfortable thing to say, uh, which you don't find in a lot of, uh, not, uh, not everybody, but in a lot of UFO research or alien research, there's, there's a big, um, premium put on having an answer about, you know, the, the implant or what they're doing here, what their plan is or why, you know, whatever. Um, your research based seems to be very much based on the abductees, uh, witness accounts, but something that I can't stop thinking about uh, while talking to you today is 
how do we know uh, that they're aliens? How do we? It, it's in a very structured framework of UFOs and aliens from a different planet, maybe a different dimension. Um, but with the evidence that you can gather from witnesses where they're not necessarily told any details of the alien culture or where they came from or why anything's happening, could they be something besides the traditional alien uh, sort of cultural uh, picture that we have of uh, extraterrestrials or whatnot? Well, it depends on what you mean by alien. They're all aliens, every one of them, uh, whether they're hubrids who look human in every conceivable way or are all the way up to the insect-like ones, and there are some ones who look sort of like reptilian. Uh, they're all aliens. Meaning they what? All, they're, they're not from Earth? They are not. From, oh, no, no. They are not from Earth. This is the technology. You have to remember, this is a global phenomenon. Uh, the technology involved here is, uh, is, is way, 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 way above uh, anything that we have here. And, and it has to be. In, in other words, people don't realize that our technology is um, brand new. It is, um, let's just say it's 500 years old which is, 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 is a long time, but let, oh, I'll say 700 years. Okay, 1,000 years will go. How about 5,000 years? Let's say our technology is 5,000 years old. 5,000 years old in geologic time or cosmic time is a, not even a nanosecond in the beginning of the blink of an eye. It is, it's brand new. It's a laugher. Right, so if right. any, any advanced civilization out there had technology, it's going to be extremely advanced, extremely advanced. And there's going to be levels of knowledge that we do not know that will not allow us to understand what is happening, uh, how, how an object works, how uh, uh, something technical uh, you know, works or whatever it is. Uh, we don't know any of that. For example, routinely from the beginning, uh, abductees have said, that they're taken right through, uh, that when they're in their room, let's just say, and they're taken at night, they, can, they go right through the wall, or they go right through the ceiling, or they go right through the closed, closed window. Now, there's a way of thinking about that. The abduction phenomenon is mental or real. There is no middle ground. You're inventing it for whatever reason, whether you know it or not, or it's happening. It's not like you were mistaken. Oh, sorry, I, I thought I was abducted and gone for five days, but I guess I wasn't. It's not like that. It, it's, it's, it's mental or it's real. Now, if it's mental, this is what happens. And this, here's a, here is a series of questions that I asked a woman once, early on when I was starting to do this. She, uh, there were beings in a room, gray aliens, and uh, they got her out of bed, and there was a light coming into the room, through the window, and they brought her over to the window, and then she went out the window and uh, started going up. And I said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, let me bring you back. Now, before you you go out the window, as you go towards the window, do you open the window? Do you open the window? She said, no, I don't, I don't open the window. I said, well, do these beings, do they open the window? You know, no, they don't open the window either. 
I said, well, does the window open by itself in some bizarre way, whatever? And she says, uh, I didn't say that. I just said, does it open by itself? You know, and she said, no, no, no. She says, I think I'm floating right through the closed window. Now, if this was mental, they would say, of course, I'm opening the window. Because by keeping the window closed, it adds a measure of disbelief to something that they're inventing and want you to believe. Because they think it actually happened to them and all that. And therefore, they wouldn't think of going through the window if, if it's mental. Right, right, if, yeah. Maybe not all, maybe only 90% of, uh, of them would say that they would open the window. but um, And 10% would say they didn't. But none of them say that they open the window. They right, always right. go right through the window or right through the wall for no right. reason whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, and I, I'm not. Uh, I, I mean, there's no doubt that their technology is is uh, so far beyond um, what we have as human beings, or at least in the public eye. Uh, my question is, I mean, if nobody's being told we're we're you know we're beings from another planet or from another dimension. You know what's uh, what's stopping these things from being you know uh, maybe an ancient sort of uh, populace of the earth? Maybe they uh, you know they they've sort of grown up and operated separate from human society. Um, you know I'm just trying to get from the abduction witness point of view um, the possibilities of what they are because I'm I'm afraid of uh, getting stuck in a traditional aliens from another planet type situation if uh, you know that we're not exactly being told that or if the evidence doesn't necessarily have to point to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But what makes more sense is that they're aliens from another planet. Things happening in the past where there's absolutely no evidence of it whatsoever, not even a tiny bit, uh, happening uh, past uh, uh, the beginning, beginning of civilization here, uh, we'd find things. And w there, there'd be things. That what we find is basically a record of, uh, of, of uh, human and animal uh, uh, growth uh, um, and, and, and destruction, you know, and and, uh, and 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 new new humans uh, evolving in in a bush-like tree, not not in a straight line, but some of them, you know, uh, disappearing for various reasons. And, but but we have bone evidence of of humans that goes right, back right. Uh, several million years of proto-humans or pre-humans. But um, we are life in outer space. We are life in outer. We live in outer. There's no chance of that. None. Zero. Uh, it doesn't approach zero. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You blanked out again right as you're getting to a part I was so excited to hear. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Can you start back at uh, we live in outer space? We, are, we live in outer space. Right. We live in outer space. We are outer space, outer space people. We are aliens in a way, in a bizarre way. We live in outer space. Now, if UFOs are from another planet or somewhere else in outer space, uh, well, let, me, let me backtrack. You can make an argument that we are the only life in outer space. Years ago, this scientist used to make this argument 
because of the way that the moon shaped and the Mars they hit here and this and that and the Earth's tilt and the and the asteroids and the killing of the dinosaurs and the emergence of the reptile of the primates on 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 we had such an amazing thing and all the water and blah 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 uh, that uh, there's no life other than ours. No responsible scientist will say that anymore, but they used to say that. Uh, it's called a rare earth theory. Uh, now they say uh, that, that, that there is life in outer space. Uh, they're going to find it. Uh, they're going to find those amoebas. They're going to find that bacteria. They're going to find those little tiny squiggly things that are in the water because they found uh, water on Mars, liquid water on Mars. If they find liquid water on Mars, the chances of their life being in that water is extremely high, actually. And uh, uh, it's, it, it, it may be, it'll be the biggest find of all time if they find some bacteria or whatever. They can't think big. Scientists have a real problem thinking big. If UFOs are real, the UFO phenomenon, if they're real, and the evidence for the UFOs and for people seeing UFOs around the world and taking pictures of them, taking motion pictures of them, taking videotapes of them, uh, taking measurements of them, taking this of them, taking that of them, and, and, the, and the minister and the priest and the rabbi throw a rock at one that's on the ground, and, all, and every other conceivable kind of evidence you would ever want about UFOs, if uh, they have, and if therefore if UFOs are real, you cannot make an argument for two. We are life in space, and then there's these UFO people. They're life in our space. No, 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 no. Once you say two, the gates are open. You mean two billion or whatever. You mean different species or something. You mean two million, two billion technological civilizations out there. You can't make an argument for two technological civilizations. That's not, that's crazy. Right, One right. is just stupid, but it's not crazy. Two is crazy. There's, if there's two, there's two trillion, whatever. I mean, the, you know, the numbers are, will be astounding of advanced technical, uh, technological civilizations because our technology is brand new it just started in our human culture yeah in our human culture so if you see another another technological civilization out there the universe and our galaxy talking not i'm talking about the universe or the multiverse is now everybody's talking about with many universes right. is uh i mean is it our, our galaxy is just good enough what is it how what is it there's there's a uh, 50 billion, 50 billion uh, of stars in our galaxy, and they think that there's a solar system around each star or most of the stars. You're coming into hundreds of billions of, 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 of uh, planets, billions of which probably are the Goldilocks planets, you know, that, 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 they, that they've already discovered a couple of them that, that pretty much fit the bill, especially one a few months ago. Yeah, just recently they found that one. Right. So. I'm I'm interested to hear just real quick. Um, you know, I mean, obviously these maybe it's not obvious. Maybe these uh, aliens that we're calling them right now, 
perhaps from outer space, most likely, in, in your opinion, um, have been around for a long time. I mean, what's your opinion on things like, you know, ancient aliens and things like that? Oh, I think that's nonsense. But you can't you can't say a negative. It's, it's like government conspiracy. You can't prove a negative. You know, you can't. Uh, uh, and um, this is what we know about that. Uh, or as Richard Nixon likes to say, let me say this about that. Uh we can date it back with certainty to the 1920s because uh, Bud Hopkins did a session with a guy who we had been working with who was a child in the 1920s and he remembered this abduction event, also in the 30s and 40s, 50s. I did a session with two women, uh, two different women um, who were kids in the 1930s. Um, I read a letter in an organization's UFO files which was clearly an abduction event that happened in 1917, but there's no way that I can prove it. I know of family stories, one major family story, which suggests that it happened in the late 19th century, uh, maybe the 1880s. There was something called the Mystery Airship Wave of 1896-1897, when these objects were flying around. People thought that somebody had invented an airship which in those days consisted of being a, a, a gas bag and a and, you know like a like a blimp, and uh, but in fact in the United States uh, the uh, nobody had put together uh, any airship uh, until after the airship wave uh, was was gone. So the point is though that that with a, some degree a, a slight degree of certainty we can bring it back to the late nineteenth century. And with a high degree of uh, certainty, uh, we can bring it back to the teens and the 20s, especially the 20s. It's been going on for about 100 years, I'd say, at least. Really? Well, yeah. let, me, let me ask you this, because there are you know, researchers that we've come across who suggest that the modern UFO abduction phenomenon is very similar to uh, various sleep disorders or what have been traditionally have, you know, from... Uh, the old world, if you will want to call it that, as, you know, demons or spirits being attacking, you know, people in their sleep and things like that. There are various, um, I'm sorry, that's my dog over there. Uh, there. There are some corroborating things with these experiences outlined throughout history that seem to uh, line up um, with the modern abduction phenomenon, not maybe to the extent of the technology and everything else, but, you know, to to some level, some of the uh, the things that were mentioned in these uh, sleep disorders, sleep paralysis, these types of things that uh, different you know, types you, of possession, or different something. types of possession. I, 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 you know, I guess I've heard one person suggest that if you go to the National Library of Medicine and you sign in, there's actually a lot of papers from that sort of sleep disorder category where you start reading it with a keen eye for, uh, or you know, filter of the UFO abduction phenomenon or knowledge of it. It yeah. seems to line up, um, you know, more than you would think. So, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts, uh, your thoughts on that? Okay, uh, I'll answer that one first. Um, all debunkers, all of them, there are no exceptions to this. Do one or more of three things: they don't know the evidence, or they disregard the evidence, or they. Um, uh, change the evidence uh, to fit their own patterns, uh, their, their own ideas. Uh, they distort the evidence. 
All of them do that. There are no exceptions. All of them do that. Every single one of them do that. One of one or all three of those things. The ones who say sleep paralysis don't know the evidence. That's that's first number one. <laughs> they just don't know the evidence. The majority of the cases that I have looked at over the past 30 years took place when the person was not asleep. Long pause. <laughs> just, just waiting for it. Sure. <laughs> That's it. Took place when the person was not asleep. Here's but, does that, but does that discount all of the other people's experiences no, who have no, experienced no. Uh, sleep paralysis? People are abducted when they're going to be missed the least. And usually that's at night. It's usually when they're asleep or when they're just alone at night or when they're alone in the daytime. Uh, people work at home. The husband is at work. The kids are at school. They're abducted all the time in the daytime. Um the majority of the cases, 1,150, it's, it's not a big majority, but the majority of the cases are when the person is awake. People are abducted in the daytime. They're abducted driving. Here's a story of an abduction. People who told me this do not know it's an abduction, but I've heard this before, and I know it's an abduction because what they told, what, what I was told, cannot happen in the world in which we live without it being an abduction. Husband or wife are driving, are driving down the highway. It's 10.30 at night. They know exactly where they are. They've been in this route. The, the wife looks out the window and says, look at that. It's, it's, there's some light in the sky at night above them over on the side of the road or something like that. And the thing flies across the road and they're staring at it and they're saying to each other, what, what the hell is that thing, you know? And uh, suddenly there's a flash. They look at each other and they say, what just happened? And they, 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 don't, they don't know. They're, they're just still driving. Yeah, everything is fine. Then they notice it's 1230 at night. Right, right. That is an actual story told to me. By That was two people. I cannot begin to tell you how... Uh, how truthful these people are. I, I, I don't want to betray them, but they, they are uh, not regular people who would spin tall tales ever, 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 ever in their lives. Not ever. Sure, <laughs> right. And um, I mean, I don't think anybody questions, at least anybody who listens to this show, everybody is uh, on board with um, the, you the know, phenomenon the, being real. The phenomenon being real. Right. Now, wait, 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 though. Waiting, waiting, Sometimes wait. people are in bed and they're abducted. I mean, lots of times people are in bed, they're asleep and they're abducted. And they realize, what the heck? There's this light in the room. What's going on here? They try to wake up their spouse. They, they might even have the ability to move their arm and wake up, honey, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. The honey is not going to wake up. Um, and uh, he's already under control or she's already under control. Um, they're laying in bed. They can't move. They can't run. They can't reach underneath their pillow and get their nine millimeter Glock out and blow their little heads off. Uh, people coming in the room. <laughs> they can't uh, yell. They can't scream. They can't do anything. They're already in control. They've been in control since before the aliens actually got there. Otherwise, the abduction phenomenon wouldn't work real well. The control has to start before they get there. They can't start chasing people around the room to get them under control. You know what I mean? Sure. And sure. so, um, so, and that's what happens. And uh, 
And they will then remember that they were in bed and they couldn't move and they were trying to wake up or something and then they just went back to sleep and they said it must have been sleep paralysis. I have had people who've had sleep paralysis. They recognize the difference immediately. <laughs> they know what sleep paralysis is and they know what the abduction phenomenon is. Sure. Well, sleep paralysis very often includes some sort of uh, entity being in the room as well. Yes and no. The majority of people who have had their brains examined and zapped to, uh, 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 during sleep paralysis don't feel or hear or see anything. Uh, but um, some people uh, will sort of imagine that somebody's being in the is in the room. That happens, and then you, at that point, if there's somebody in the room, you don't know whether they're being abducted or not because that's all they remember usually. Hmm. They chalk it off to sleep paralysis. They chalk it off to it, sleep paralysis. I suppose. I mean, well, uh, we, we have to remember people are abducted in groups and can confirm each other's abductions. I, I don't. Nobody's questioning the the re reality of abductions. Yeah, um, sleep paralysis is not something that starts when you're five. It's it's something when you when you work with a person, you realize that if they're paralyzed in bed, and then something happens to them, that that paralysis in bed is not sleep paralysis, but. If I were to leave it at that, oh, you're paralyzed in bed, let's go on to something else, they might think it's sleep paralysis. Then there's also the sleep paralysis phenomenon. That does happen. But people who have both know the difference. Now, the thing is, it's a, these, these things are, are forever recycled. 15, 17 years ago, there was a huge to-do about sleep paralysis. And uh, UFO researchers and abduction researchers, they pounded these poor people into the ground and they stopped uh, saying, they just showed them the evidence, blah, 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 blah. But since debunkers have no knowledge of anything that ever happened in the past, they think that they've got the answer to the abduction. They finally found the answer to the abduction phenomenon. It's sleep paralysis which they don't realize has already been argued with before and thrown out. Now we have to go through that whole process again Just of these people who have no knowledge of the past bringing this up as Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, I'm, it's I'm okay. just trying to get it straight. So you're saying that sleep paralysis is a thing but is separate from abductions. Yes, absolutely. Okay. It is. All right. And people then, have tried to there's a guy named Michael Persinger at Lawrence well, that's University. Well, that's personally a relief for me. So thank you very much. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, just speaking of the past, um, and you had mentioned earlier that there's no, you know, early accounts of this sort of thing going on with hybridization and everything. And, you know, based on just the worldview that, that we come from in, on this show, uh, there's actually, and I'm positive you have come across this, and, and I'd like to just get your thoughts on it as we wrap up here. Um, but uh, there is this topic of the Nephilim, and I'm sure you've come across yeah. it at some point. And as the sort of story goes, you know, that, that there are these sons of God, or what many believe are fallen angels who came down and mated with human women, and they created this this race of Nephilim, they were called, you know, and they were hybrids. And, um, and that was a historical thing, but there's also 
Well, that was a biblical thing. That was not a historical thing. Sure, okay, biblical. Uh, But sticking with the biblical theme here, there's also a future prophetic uh, insight that's in the book of Revelation that talks about these people that are going to be on the earth basically with, you know, no, uh, from the, I guess, the spiritual or Christian perspective, no opportunity for any kind of redemption. And it has to do with the mark of the beast and all this stuff. And traditionally there have been, you know, the the Christian uh, institutions and, and those who believe that, oh, there's some human souls that are just unredeemable, that sort of thing. But, you know, when I look at this and I look at your research and I look at some of the things that, you know, I've looked at from the prophetic, you know, futuristic kind of thing, it seems to align that there are these, you know, like you mentioned, these hubrids, these people that are not really human, that are integrating into society, so to speak. Is that, what does that do for you? I mean, is that just something you can't address because it's more in line with, um, you know, what I guess modern uh, scholars would consider mythology and things like that? Or, or do, you, do you at least acknowledge that that sort of uh, depiction or, you know, literature is out there historically when I say historically, I mean in the Bible, as in, you know, it's the ancient past or uh, allegedly an account of the uh, an ancient past. What 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 does that do for you? Well, it doesn't do much because I can date this phenomenon back to about the late 19th century, or early 20th century. And that's a long ways off from the biblical times. Uh, and uh, and I've worked with five ministers and uh, everybody said the same thing. And then nobody ever uh, thought that these were 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 were. Nephilim or, 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 or fallen angels or demons or anything like that, they all recognize that this is, that number one, this is going on through the course of their lives. Uh, and it's all, you have to remember, this is intergenerational as well. If you're sure. if a non-abductee marry, marries an abductee that, and has kids, all the kids will be abductees. And when they marry non-abductees, all those children will be abductees and et cetera, et cetera. But um, the fact is so that they, uh, that, that, it's never brought up. It's 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 not something. It's something that's happening in the here and now. These are beings. We can see the progression of uh, of, of of hybridization. Uh, we don't exactly know the technology for hybridization, but everything is technological. Everything is absolutely logical. There's nothing illogical about anything they do. Right. And um, it, it's uh, it, it just it just doesn't fit anything that has to do with religion uh, in any way or with biblical uh, prophecy. It, and I get letters like this almost every day. And, and, and I, I think to myself, I, you know, this this phenomenon is so different than than fallen angels and all that well, sort of well, stuff. The, the I mean, the story of the Nephilim in Genesis six is basically a hybridization story. And whether or not you believe it to be fact in a biblical sense, but the fact that it was written so long ago and they were talking about, you know, the, what they call sons of God. And it's, which, not, it's not just the Bible, just to interject, sorry, but, you know, the book of Enoch and other ancient texts talks about these right. beings that came down from the sky that mated with human women and created these hybrids. So, you know, it's not, it's not just the Bible, just to clarify that sure. point, too. But sure. If that were the case, then the human race would have changed in some way or another as it spread through the societies. But when we look at humans from, you know, 3,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago, they're just regular people. Right. Only, right. With, only with, with long hair and with beards, the, long beards. <laughs> with, 
but it, it, you know, it's interesting. And I'm not trying to convert you or anything. I'm just uh, letting you know what what's in this text. And, and they include actually the extermination of uh, large numbers of these, uh, you know, hybrids, and uh, in some accounts, all of them. And there's uh, depending on the uh, interpretation you take. I mean, a lot of the Old Testament could be seen to you know a lot of these battles and things being whole campaigns against something like hybrids so just just an interesting thing to yeah, think about I'm when you uh like that it, it, and to me it's it's in another realm it doesn't exist in the realm that 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 these abductees uh uh describe to me about let's put it that way it's uh i i cannot make that connection it's right, too, right. it's much too great a leap well this there is certainly isn't uh, as much about uh square chairs coming up from the ground and <laughs> and the implants in the in right. ancient texts so i could see that well they don't know they don't actually come up they're already built in it's it's a room filled with chairs got it <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify the chairs are up out of the ground. Okay. Cubes out of the ground that are built well, in the, the ground. What, what I'm saying ultimately is the oddity here in that we know, we know, you know, it's like ghosts. People know a lot about ghosts. They know that ghosts go haunting and that they see ghosts. Yep. That's it. Yep. <laughs> they don't know and anything else. They don't know what ghosts... Huh? Sorry, sorry. Continue. They don't know what ghosts do on on their off time. They don't know whether they go into the into some room and tell jokes with each other and pound each other on the shoulders. They don't know anything about that. They don't know who gets to go hunt, haunting and who doesn't get to go haunting. They don't know what kind of food they eat or if they eat food. They don't know anything. Where there's no depth whatsoever to ghosts. But can with that the abduction phenomenon, we have nothing but similar? depth. Well, except for you don't know where they come from or if they, despite... It doesn't matter where they come from. Well, without, with, with the exception of uh, their technology is so advanced that they can't possibly be from Earth, even some sort of hidden society, wouldn't you say that that's a little bit similar? No. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we know a lot about this phenomenon. We know a tremendous amount about this phenomenon. Uh, we don't know about the technology. We don't know exactly how it works. We don't know how they got here, and we don't know where they come from. But but we know a tremendous amount. Otherwise, we do. Uh, we have even some some glimpses in behind the scenes stuff. In other words, there has to be a place where hybrids can wear gowns as they wear. They wear special gowns. Uh, uh, females wear special uh, pullover uh, uh, dresses and, 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 and males wear special uh, um, shirts and, and pants. Uh, those have to be made somewhere. Uh, right. Once you get hybrids who are human-like and who eat through their mouths, uh, there has to be food for them. There has to be people who make food for them. Uh, once you get hybrids who, who, who urinate and defecate in the ways in which we do, there has to be bathroom areas. We don't see that. Uh, we don't. We're not. The people abductees are not taken into back rooms. That's not what they're they're supposed to be. Uh, every once in a while, we'll get a little glimpse, but uh, but uh, there's still a lot more we don't know than we do know. But we know approximately ten and a half million times more about this subject than people know about ghosts. Well, I don't but, think we can argue with you there. <laughs> so you know what. 
this has been an awesome conversation, Dr. David Jacobs. Um, you know, I, I love how much uh, eyewitness research that you've done, and you've got some great material out. And uh, before we wrap up, could you tell us how to get a hold of your stuff? Do you got a website? Where are you speaking? Well, Let us know where people can uh, get a hold of you. Uh, uh, my website is at uh, www.ufoabduction.com. That's singular, not 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 abductions, just one abduction. Ufoabduction.com, the one with an if you put an S on the end of it, it's a whole different world. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, and you can get a hold of me there, and I have a questionnaire on my website, and I've got the place to ask questions. I've had so much mail. It's it's it's. I'm the head of the International Center for Abduction Research, which consists of me. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can't. You should employ some of those hybrids, maybe, or hubrids yeah, to uh, say, do some of your some paperwork. I have to train them exactly right. <laughs> So uh, I I I am telling people don't ask me questions. I can't. I I live in guilt. I can't answer everybody's questions. It's just too much. I'm overwhelmed all the time. But you've got so, books, and I am. I've got uh, uh, you know this book that just came out, right? Uh, Walking Among Us, and which is available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and whatever you know. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. Again, it was a wonderful conversation. Dr. David Jacobs, make sure to check out his stuff, everybody. Dr. David Jacobs, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. There you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Canary Cry Radio as much as I did. How you doing, Gons? I thought it was a very good episode. We've been sitting on it for a while, but... Yeah, we have. This has been in the in a back pocket. Yeah, but uh, it's December. In the meantime, we're still uh still talking to Chin Than, trying to how to fix things. Yeah, how's Chin Than doing? Uh, I guess he's still doing something with the. This is HTML. like hours later. Yeah. He hasn't figured it he has, out. No, he's still trying to figure out what's going on. Chin Than. All right, we're gonna start a campaign. Pray for Chin Than. Hashtag pray for Chin Than. <laughs> Chintan is our only hope right now. So it's our only hope. <laughs> this is this is this is uh it's bad. Yeah. It's all bad. But yeah. the good news is all of this might be completely obsolete by the time you're listening to this because everything might be fixed by then. Yep. In which case this is just all useless banter. With hashtag help us. Obi Wan Chin Than Ni, you're our only hope. Be too long. <laughs> hashtag. That's not a good hashtag. Ha hashtag help us, Obi Wan Chin Than. You're our only hope. Help, help us. You help you. Help us to help, help everybody help else. God to help our country, to help ourselves. And That's the, a, an obscure reference we just made. It is. If anyone can <laughs> figure it out, we will give you... You get a USB drive. If somebody figures Seriously? that out, I will <laughs> send them a USB drive. That's a good call. All right. That's a good one. By the power okay, very vested specific, in me. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you do, if you don't get it absolutely right, you don't get it. Yeah. But if you, get, if you send us the link to what that is referencing... 
then you get the, the USB drive. We'll be very impressed. Yeah, I just made a big commitment there. That is a big commitment, but you is know that, what? Is that a That's, financial commitment we're willing to make? No, that, I just yes, made I am willing to make that if, if somebody figures out this riddle that we have thrown out to the masses. <laughs> this riddle? <laughs> <laughs> riddle me this, Canarians. All right. I think that's good. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Uh, Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time if there is a next time. But until then, think outside the cage. Bye.